0: Well, good evening. How's everybody doing this evening? Good to see you. If you were um, with us on Christmas Eve, we talked about hopefully, right? Hopefully the new year is going to be much smoother. Not starting out so smooth yet, is it? I was. Uh, it took about a week, and uh, with my family, and just wanted to go check out, and so that was kind of nice. We uh, we took some time, and that worked pretty well, mentally, until about Wednesday, you know. And uh, let me just say, you know, I, I I don't know where you're at, how you're feeling, but but I know the way I'm feeling. Um, just seeing the the lawless political violence and riots we've seen all really all year, right, and this past week, and it really is heartbreaking, right? And it's, it's wrong and it's a dangerous threat to our nation. And then I'm also feeling, um, as we go into this new year, because as you set, stand back, I don't know about you, but as you stand back and begin to watch these events unfold that you have no control over <laughs> and really no ability to do anything about, right? And you, but you know it's going to have an impact on your life and on the decisions that, that leaders make and then as you see immediately the blowback of that and crazy amounts of censorship going on right now the extent of major platforms being deplatformed, platformed um, social media platforms and stuff I mean the the squashing of free speech that scares me I'm feeling concerned about that right I don't know maybe you're not but let me just say as followers of Jesus, we should pray for great wisdom during times like these because it is right to speak, but we need to do it in a, in a godly way, right? And we need to be praying for our nation because let me just tell you guys, with the div- division in our country and the bitter hatred in our country, we, we need his hand as much as we ever have to save our nation and to heal our, na- our land. And, and I believe, you know, like the scripture says, that starts with followers of Jesus as we get our hearts right with God, as we come before him in prayer. So all that to say, uh, we're entering a new year with a lot of uncertainty, aren't we? And Jason launched us into a little two-week mini-series um, last week called What Should I Do? And great co- topic of conversation to launch the new year. And I had a good positive. New Year's message for you today. And it's going to be a little more introspective, right? Because let me just say, we are entering a new year with a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uneasiness in, in different people's hearts about how things are going to go, how, how the direction of the country is going to go, how the ongoing you know, pandemic is going to go, how that's going to affect our lives. We're entering the new year with a bunch of uncertainty. And here's the crazy thing. You probably have never thought of this, but did you know every year you enter the new year with uncertainty? If anything last year taught us, it's that, right? Because I bet you had plans for last year and you had some certainty and hopes and resolutions and ideas of how it would go. And you learned very quickly, the certainty I thought I had going into the year isn't the certainty that I have. In fact, that's why James, the brother of Jesus, he writes, you, like, basically, you're kind of an idiot. If you, those of you that say, hey, this year I'm going to go do that and that and that, and it's going to be epic and it's going to be awesome. Got this. He says, that's kind of dumb. What you should say is, if the Lord wills, have a little humility, acknowledge that there's things in life that are outside of your control, right? And so today what I want to do is um, ask a few questions and take a little bit of a personal inventory as we enter into a year of uncertainty, which is every year, but this year we're particularly aware of it, right? And I want to look at a chapter from Genesis, in Genesis chapter 26 in just a minute, but let me just say, how many of you have ever called one of your favorite stores or online stores or something and they're closed the first couple days of the year to do an inventory? It's pretty common, right? And it's really annoying when you're trying to get... I, I'm like a gear guy. like music and that. And I, I remember trying, oh, I'm going to get this. And it's closed that day. You want to order it, right? But that process of kind of shutting down a little bit so that you can figure out how things are, are going in your life. I mean, it's a painful process, isn't it? If you've ever been, worked retail, you know how painful inventory is. You hate doing it, but it's a, a very useful process And it's a very important process in our lives as we stop and we look back and we go, "Hey, how? uh, Really, the question: How how am I actually doing? How's my soul? How am I doing in the midst of all this?" And so, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you five questions. And you don't, if you're writing them down, you can write them down as we go. If you're like taking pictures on your phone, I'm gonna have them all up on the screen at one time at the end. So you can wait and just take one picture of the screen if that's your, your mode of uh, taking notes. Genesis chapter 26. And we're going to look at a chapter in the life of one of the patriarchs that we really don't talk about. And the patriarchs patriarchs of the Old Testament are, let's see if you know them. Anybody? Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you very much. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the original patriarchs, right, of the Jewish nation, of the, this family that becomes a nation that we spent a whole year last year going through the book of Exodus and looking at. And Abraham's pretty famous. We talk about him quite a bit in church. Uh, Jacob's actually pretty famous too. He gets, both these guys get a lot of airplay, but the guy in the middle doesn't get a lot. And his name's Isaac. And Isaac is, is the only, or actually, um, he is the, the son of promise to Abraham and Sarah, given to them in their old age. And he, he is the one who God says, the promise that I gave to Abraham, that through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed, that you, this, this older couple, well past childbearing age, barren, that, that you will have a son, and through you, you will become a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you the promised land, and through you, all the nations will be blessed. And so Isaac grows up and gets married and has two kids, right? He has his favorite son, Esau, the twins, and then he has Jacob. And this is an extremely dysfunctional family situation. But I don't want to talk about that because you've all probably heard about that. I want to talk about this kind of interesting, strange chapter in the life of Isaac. And I want to just draw some questions out of here that we can ask ourselves as we head into the new year. So it starts out like this. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations on earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so Isaac settled in Gerar. And so right at the beginning of this chapter of Isaac's life, we see this hard circumstance. There's a famine in the land. Now, Lots of us, you know, had to get real scrappy trying to find toilet paper last year and all that crazy stuff, right? But none of us starved, right? You're like, yep, yeah, we're looking at you. We, we agree. None of, none of us starved last year. In fact, some of us stress ate a lot and put on a few pounds, you know? Imagine being in a situation. See, this is still common in certain parts of the world, the, the church planters in Myanmar who were supporting, they're literally helping provide food to save people from starving right now. And this is, this is still common in parts of the world, but not something we've really had to worry about too much in our culture. But they're in a really tough situation. This happened once, like it mentioned, to Abraham, Isaac's father. And during that time, Abraham went down, he, f- he fled and lived down in Egypt. And God saved him from the famine down in Egypt because there was grain Down there. Well, this time there's a famine and you got to go somewhere. And God actually appears and he speaks to Isaac and says, no, no, I know Abraham went down to Egypt last time. That's not the plan I have for you. I'm going to do something. And he reaffirms to him this incredible promise that was given to his father that would come through him. That through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This incredible, incredible promise. And... What I, want to, what I want you to understand here is just because someone finds themselves in a really hard, rough situation, it does not mean that God has abandoned you. He finds himself in a famine where he's literally concerned about his family starving to death and has to leave the area that he's in and go to another area just to try to find food. And so many times in life when we find ourselves in a season of hardship, especially when we've been in a season of blessing, we're we're not very used to as Americans living with hardship, real hardship, like this. I think this last year taught us that, right? But just because you find yourself in a season of hardship does not mean God has abandoned you. Because in the midst of all this, God appears to him and he reaffirms his promise to him. And I think that's such, a, that's such a, a beautiful thing. He reaffirms the promise he made to Abraham. That, hey, Isaac, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And I think the good question to ask as you enter into any kind of time of uncertainty in your life, really any time of your life, but it particularly seems when we're in times of uncertainty that this becomes a question that we need to be asking is what is God saying? What is God saying? You know, the thing that will get you through times of difficulty and times of uncertainty is really your relationship with God. It's intimacy with God. And you know when that happens? It happens in times of prayer, of reflection, and of listening to him. Now, I believe something. I believe God is a God who speaks. One of the ways he speaks to us is, is through his word, the scriptures. I believe the primary way he speaks to us is through his word, the scriptures. That's why every year, every year just about every year, we encourage you to, to spend regular time in the scriptures. We've got the Bible Challenge, which we've been telling you about for a couple weeks, out there on the highlight counter. You can pick one up on your way out and make regular Bible a part of your life. Other ways he speaks to us, though, are through his Holy Spirit. And that's just those times when, when you are moving through an uncertain circumstance, an uncertain situation. Um, you need to learn to hear the voice of God. And we've done series and we've talked about this in the past and we will again in the future. I don't have a lot of time to get into it today. But let me just say, God speaks to us through his word. That's when you're, when you're reading and, and truth just jumps off the page to you and you're like, wow. That's exactly what I was dealing with. That's exactly what I needed. And then he also just taps you on the shoulder. And, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is, is you're trying to make a decision and you just feel like a, a strong like, sense of what he's calling you to do. And oftentimes, after you feel that, he will confirm it in some other way. Um, when we were planning the church, that was exactly, it was a crazy idea at first, years before we ever planted the church And then he began to confirm it in very unique and interesting ways, ways that we knew that's God. And if you're seeking him and you're paying attention to him and you're spending time in his word and you're praying and asking him, God, here's my situation. I desperately need you to give me guidance in this. What should I do? I believe he's a God that is gonna talk to you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And the Holy Spirit indwells you. Sometimes that feels like this, learning to hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's literally as you're going through the day, and, and I say the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder, not like literally you feel a tap on your shoulder. But it's like an a inaudible whisper in your ear. I've known some people that have actually, you, you hear an audible thing, right? My, a, friend of mine, um, a friend of mine was out mowing the lawn, listening to gangster rap, and he heard the words, mercy ships, like literally, Audibly in his ears. <laughs> that's that's really God clearly leading you, right? He went and did missions in Africa. All kinds of things like that, right? But God's a God that, as you seek Him, as you're in a circumstance, and you know sometimes actually these seasons of like like famine here. God allows them. God allows them in our lives. to to move us into where he has us or where he wants us to be. What is God saying? But sometimes the Holy Spirit will just tap you on the shoulder and it'll be like, um, just so so clear, hey, I want you to go talk to so-and-so or I want you to to pray for them. And when you just ignore that, you never know what God was going to do in that moment. But when you obey, what you'll see is God will set up um, divine appointments for, for you throughout the day, um, whereas you're seeking him and you're following him, he sets up these moments where he's actually going to use you to speak into other people's lives. And so, I think as, you, as we enter into times of uncertainty, a, a great thing to ask as you begin the new year is, "What is God saying in this season?" And really seeking him for, "Okay, Lord, here, here I am. I'm not the. In- you know, we, we, I'm sure you've already have." Some resolutions, right? I don't need to tell you what resolutions to have, right? But let me tell you, if, if you're seeking God for what are you saying to me in this season, what are you saying to me as I enter in this this year, I believe he's going to tell you. Because I, I believe he's a guy that loves you and he wants to communicate. He wants to to speak into your life and your, your situation. And it's also in times of prayer, and spending time seeking Him, that our hope is re-centered in Him and in an eternal perspective. Especially in times of difficulty. That's so vital, isn't it? To have that hope firmly centered in Him. It says, cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. It says in the New Testament, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, um, you present your request to Him. Then, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. I don't know about you, but I quickly find myself drifting in times like these into agitation and anxiety. And the promise in Scripture is if you cast that on Him, if you bring that to Him, and entrust Him with that, He will give you peace. I would like to start the new year with some more peace. I don't know about you. All right, let's move on. So that's the first thing. So now we move into this. So Isaac's in this different area, right? The Canaanite area in Gerar, it says. And now he does something unexpected, but not really that unexpected if you know his family story but it's not good. Verse 7. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. He's like, I got a smoking hot wife. That's for you millennials. What? Why would you do that, Isaac? Why would you do that, right? And when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. And Abimelech says, What is this you've done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now, that seems to have worked out okay for him in the short term, but it didn't. We'll see that in a minute. He's in a new place, in a new environment. And what you see here, if you know the story of the patriarchs, is his daddy did the same exact thing when they were down in Egypt. And it, again, it was not a good thing. But what you see here is his fear leads to deceit. His fear in a situation leads him to take an unwise and deceitful step. And it's a decision that will end up causing him a lot of future difficulty in his life. And let me just say, in times of uncertainty, in times of crisis, there's times when you need to make quick, snap decisions, right? Like when you're falling backwards off a cliff, grab the edge, right? But most of the time, when we get in big trouble in decisions we make, it's when we make rash decisions because of fear. And because of anxiety. And we don't seek wise counsel. We don't stop and pray and say, what are you saying to me, God, in the midst of this? And he reacts out of a fear, out of an insecurity. And he does this, and it's going it's to trip him up. It's going to cause him some, th- some, some pain. And I don't know if you've noticed that, so for Isaac, this is kind of like a family pattern in his family, right? I don't know if you've noticed about this about yourself when it comes to New years, whatever that year is, that it's a new year but it's the same you. Right? It's a new year, but it's the same you, isn't you? Isn't it? And you've made commitments and resolutions before, haven't you? In fact, some of you you're just so jaded by the whole thing, you're like, ah but see this is this is why actually taking an inventory sometimes, of, hey, where am I really at, can be more valuable. Because all you all we typically go into is, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, right? You've made commitments and resolutions before. And, you know, I think by, at New Year's, one of the things we just kind of do by default is we always think of what we need to add to our life. I'm going to do this and I'm going I'm to accomplish this and I'm going to get better at this, Right? I'm going to get in that kind of shape, and I'm, I'm going to dominate this year. I think sometimes a, a more helpful question is actually this. What do I need to eliminate? See, Isaac had a behavior. He, he actually should have eliminated a fear that caused him to do something that he, he should have, if he stopped and, and caught it and paused, would have thought wiser of it, Right? What do I need to eliminate? And I'm not talking dropping a few pounds, right? Ask a deeper question. Like, what, what are the attitudes of my heart? What are those things? What, what is the root cause? Why is it that, that every year I try to do this thing, but I get three weeks in or a month or two in, and I just give up or quit? Because it's something in me. Is there a attitude of the heart? Is there a sinful behavior, habit, a, a reaction? Is, is there a toxic dating relationship? What is it that's holding me back from getting you? What, what's holding you back from getting you where God wants you to go, where God wants you to experience? You know, there's this fancy word that Jesus, not fancy actually, it's kind of a scary word. John the Baptist and Jesus always said, repent. Literally, it means turn around. Turn around. And I think New Year's is a good time to think and go, God, what is it in What is it in my heart? What is it in my actions and my behaviors and my attitudes that's the root cause Of this pain that I've been experiencing, or the way I've been responding in a relationship, or this lack of discipline I find myself in every year. Maybe it's a good time to get some help around that, to get some accountability around that. Because we all do better when there's somebody else in our life who can come alongside. Maybe even get some counseling. Around that thing. Why is it that I I constantly come back to this? Why is it that it feels like I'm constantly circling the same thing over and over and over again? What do I need to eliminate? What do I need to take to the cross and say, Jesus, I want to give this to you? So in the midst of this, even though Isaac's afraid and he's deceitful in this instance. God still blesses him. God still blesses him. Check this out now. I think this is so profound, and especially as we, as we enter this year. And any time you're, you're entering a season of uncertainty where you're apprehensive, where you don't know what the future holds. It says this in verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became became very wealthy. I think this is so profound because in the midst of a famine, in the midst of a really hard time, he he sowed in, he planted into, literally into the season that he was in. He thought long-term. He sowed in that land. You know, we we live in a sowing and a reaping world. That's the way life works. And so so many times in the midst of uncertainty, um, our tendency is to shrink back, to hold on, to be paralyzed, literally, in fear. Does anybody else feel that when you you come into uncertainty? I don't know what your method of processing is. Is mine is to get, go really inside my head. drives my wife crazy because she knows I, I'm just like stewing on this thing. She's like, are you going to talk to me? I'm like, I'm just, I'm here. And a lot of times, try, trying to decide, like, what's the right step? What's the next step? How can I do this right, right? Some of you get paralyzed with that, of knowing what to do. And the profound thing about this is in the midst of this, this famine, Isaac sows in that moment. He sows into it, and he ends up reaping. And God blesses him. And so I think a, a profoundly important question to ask as you enter a new year and as you, you enter a, a season of uncertainty is this, what do I need to sow into? because you don't know the future, right? Chances are it's not going to be as good as you think or as bad as you think. That's what life's taught me, right? What do I need to sow into? You know, we have 18 years of Jesus' life that we don't know anything about except for one verse in the Bible. It's Luke 2.52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God, in favor with man. He grew wisdom, not just learning, but learning's part of that, right? Wisdom is really learning how to properly apply truth to life, how life works. He grew in wisdom. He, he learned um, stature physically. He grew his stature as a, a businessman, you know, as a, in, in his trade, in his field, he grew in those areas and in his, in his power, in his ministry, right? And in favor with God, his spiritual relationship continued to grow and develop. And in favor with man, his relationships and influence grew. Why? We have 18 years. What do we know? Jesus was sowing into his life in all these different areas and growing To prepare for the thing that God had for him. And let me tell you, during the season when Jesus was doing this, there was all sorts of chaos in Judea. They were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Things didn't seem good. It seemed like a lousy time to be alive, probably if you were alive during that time. There were uprisings and zealot uprisings. Rome was brutal. And yet Jesus sowed in, right? I think, it's, I, I think in this season, there's something God may be preparing you to sow into that will have more fruitfulness in your life than you will ever imagine. What do you need to sow into? Maybe that's learning something new. Maybe that's building a skill. Maybe it's sowing it's into your life and your kid's life, your family, the relationships around you, Right? Sowing into generosity. Maybe it's educationally. Maybe it's a business venture that you need to sow into. You need to put some things out and you're scared to put some seed out because it's uncertain. But guess what? The only way you reap is if you sow. To sow into a relationship, to sow into the business, to sow into an area of leadership or influence in your life. What's God calling you to sow into? Maybe you will reap a hundredfold sowing into your relationship with God. Be cautious. Caution is okay, caution is wisdom. But don't let fear paralyze you from sowing into what God has for you. Verse 14. Here's how God blessed him. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all of the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. And see, I think in the natural, this is the consequence for his deceit and his fear. I think, and this is just me, this isn't in the Bible, I'm, I'm just making this up. But that's what you pay me for. So, well, no. You pay me to preach the scripture, but and occasionally I give you my random thoughts, too. You seem to like those sometimes. So. But I, here's what I think. I, I think had he not been fearful and deceitful, he would have still been blessed, God still blessed him, but he would have had a lot less pain and difficulty. What, what, see, his, what his deceit caused was a lack of trust with the people around him. And that's what deceit always causes, right? Which if you have kids, you know this. Um, you've had the painful experience of having to tell them why, what a lie does to your relationship, right? And how that breaks trust. And that trust has to be earned in a certain extent, right? And, and they don't trust him. So as he grows, in power, he grows more powerful, um, they're envious and, and they're fearful of him. And he starts having conflict. And so here's what happens over this next period of time. We don't know if this is um, probably years, these next few verses. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water's ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they contended with him. Then he dug another well. So he's like, all right, you guys can just have this one. He dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well, third well. Have you ever tried to dig a hole by hand? I tried one time, I tried to dig a swimming pool by hand. It was kind of funny, because I told my parents, I'm gonna, we're going to go, I talked to my brother, and I was always talking my brother into things. So I'm like, we're going to dig a swimming pool in the backyard, and I got the pickaxe out and outlined it, right? And that lasted about 15 minutes Still, we figured it out. We weren't digging a swimming pool. But digging a well, that's, that's hard. It's difficult, right? But here's what I want you to, to discover about him. Number one, he knew when it was better to not quarrel and just move on. Let me tell you, on social media, there's going to be moments where you should properly speak your voice in a kind and loving manner. And there's going to be times where you need to know just to move on, right? Same thing in your interactions with people. It's a good skill to learn. But the other thing I want you to really notice about Isaac, in the midst of this difficulty and all this stress, he's resilient. He just keeps trying. He keeps digging wells. He doesn't stop. Verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. This is the second time. Fear not for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well, another well. Just keep going. He was resilient. He he didn't give up. You lose one, let's move on. Doesn't work here, let's pivot and go over here. Doesn't doesn't work here, let's go over here. Resilience. In a time of uncertainty and a time of famine or a time when things aren't going the way you want, resilience is something you need to build into your life. It's grit. It's the ability to pivot and move to something different. To, To pivot and try again. And it's such a valuable skill in life. Um, I, 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 think I have this skill, and it annoys people. Um, because I, 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 I always make the second phone call. Like if somebody tells me no on the phone, I ask for the supervisor. It's annoying. But it's worked really well for me in life. And, and let me just tell you, there's times you've you got to... Make the second phone call. You got to make the third phone call. You got to be willing to walk through some awkward, to walk through some pain, to walk through some don't give up, right? He's resilient. And so let me just ask you this is a good question, an inventory question for your life. Where do you need more resilience in your life? Where do you need to be more resilient? Where do you need to dig another well? You may need to dig two or three more wells before you hit the wand. Where do you need to dig another well in your life? Where's God saying, just hang in there. Don't give up. I think so many people don't experience what God has for them fully in life because they just give up too soon. Don't give up. Fight for that relationship. Fight for that thing in a loving way. Stand up. Be resilient. Business didn't go through good. Try something new or pivot and stick with it. A lot of times that's a better model. Not always, but a lot of things. Physical health not great. Start again. That's one great thing about New Year's is every time it rolls around, You kind of think through those things, and it's a great spot to get some momentum going, right? Don't like the way national politics are going? How about getting involved locally? You know, you can have more influence there. You were wrong about something, admit it, and move on and try again. Be resilient. Proverbs says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked stumble into ruin. And there's something God honoring about the person that gets knocked down and just keeps getting up. Which I can't say without hearing a certain 90s song, but I won't sing that one in church. The righteous falls seven times and gets up again. All right, verse 26. So here's, here's kind of the way this chapter of Isaac's life wraps up. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, so they're out here in the wilderness. Now the king comes to him with all his posse around him, and Isaac's like, hey, great, there's the guy that kicked me out. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, "See, this is the result of honoring God, of just doing the right thing, of being resilient, of of knowing when is the right time to stand and when is the right time to go, okay, have that, we're going to move along, right? They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. In other words, there's something about your life that it's clear. God's hand's on your life. God's blessing is on your life. God's direction has been on your life. Your attitude, your response shows the grace of God. It shows the blessing of God. It shows the favor of God. When you follow him, when you follow his leading, when you're resilient, when you sow and reap, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. See, God makes the way for him. In the midst of of all the chaos, God makes the way. In the midst of a broken relationship, God mends the relationship. Verse 30, so he made them a feast and they ate and drank and in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, listen, remember they just dug a well. They're digging, digging, going down in this place, Beersheba. That same day, Isaac's servants came to him and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water which is life in this economy. We found water, and he called it Shaba. Therefore, the city, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. I think the final kind of question that I, that I want you to take home, and if you don't like my questions, you can come up with your own. <laughs> so This is all I got for you. Come up with your own questions. <clears throat> you're smart people. Now, here, here, here's this. Where do I need to reconnect? Where do I need to reconnect? For some of you, maybe, um, for some of you, maybe that's reconnecting with your church family and community. That, for some, you know, it's just been a long season. And if you're honest, uh, there was a time when there was concern, but it's no longer that. Now it's just. You got in a new habit. I'm talking to some of our online friends too tonight, right? You got in a new habit and a new groove, and it just kind of became a convenience thing. You need to reconnect in community, right? Maybe it's a relationship you need that there's been strife in, and you need to seek to repair that relationship. And trust, hey, maybe God can move in this relationship like he did in this situation. Where do you need to seek peace in? Peter, 1 Peter 3.10 says this, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Where do you need to reconnect this year? Are there some relationships in your life that, that really sort of just slipped off the radar in the midst of the craziness and the isolation and all the, all the drama of the last year? Are there some people you need to reach out to that maybe have differing views and it's just has become tense. And you know, I need to reach out to that family member. I need to reach out and love. I need to reconnect. Church family, community, where do you need to reconnect? I think a lot of people in this last year have just disconnected. Don't let that continue into the new year. You need to reconnect in the area where God wants you connected. You know, let me just say spiritually, for some of you, um, God is seeking to connect with you and to grow a deeper relationship with you. Or maybe for some of you, to, to, to have a relationship for the first time. And what a great way to start a new year of taking a step of faith and putting your trust in Jesus. In finding the life and the hope that comes when your hope is securely in something that'll last for eternity. Receiving eternal life. Receiving a relationship with God as your Heavenly Father. Let me leave you with these five questions What is God saying? What's he saying to you in this season? Have you taken the time to actually pause and stop and listen and seek him in prayer? If not, that would be a great time to start, thing to start the year with. Take a couple days and fast a meal, maybe fast a whole day, a couple, three days. It's a powerful spiritual practice. And seek him. What's God saying to you? What do I need to eliminate? Got to repent in this area. Got to turn something around. What do I need to sow into? Is there an area in your life that you've been holding back, but you know I'm being called to sow into this area? You may reap a hundredfold. Where do I need to be more resilient? Where do I need to dig another well? But it's the, it's a third well. Seriously, yes. Where do you need to be more resilient? in your life? And finally, where do I need to reconnect? Let me just challenge you. Whatever whatever God's putting on your heart, would you just take these things home this week and ponder them? Do a little self-inventory as you head into the new year? Would you stand? And if you're in the room or joining us online and you want to trust Jesus for the first time to connect with God I want to invite you to pray a prayer like this after me. Lord Jesus, I I know that I'm a sinner. And And I know that I need you. And so I want to invite you into my heart and life. I believe you're the son of God that you died and rose again. Forgive me and welcome me into your family. I want to turn my life and follow you. Turn around and follow you, Lord. And Lord, I just ask for all my friends here that you would just bless them that in the midst of all the uncertainty that you would give them peace as they cast their cares on you, Lord. And that you would, this would be a real foundational turning point year for many here, Lord, that we would see your blessing in a profound way, both in in lives coming to know you and just in in the blessing of those in this congregation, Lord, in this church family. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.